0: Hey everybody, Tyree here with Before I Forget, with our co-host, Mr. Jason King. Say hi, Jason.
1: Hey, what's going on, man?
0: I'm chilling, man. How you doing?
1: Oh, I'm doing well, man. Just trying to catch up on my TV series.
0: Word. Okay. So, we have a guest on this uh, show today. Kevin. uh, I'm sorry, Kevin. Jesus. Jason, go ahead and uh, introduce him.
1: Uh, We got a special guest Standing at four foot four with a personality of 10 feet tall, my cousin and a Texas police officer, Mr. Chuck Boyce.
0: Hey, all right. That is
2: is four foot five on a good day, buddy. I got (laughs) my catchers on.
1: No, I know you're Uh, about five foot.
2: Uh, I'm just tall enough to ride the rides at Six Flags, so that's all that matters.
1: Well, you got that police officer uniform. That's a hell of a ride right there.
2: Oh, yeah. And with a taser. You don't want to ride that either.
0: <laughs> no, sir. No, not at all. So, hey, check it out. We're going to get into our show here. Um, so, Chuck, tell us a little bit about how you became a police officer.
2: Well, I was a contractor prior to this Uh life as a police officer and uh i've ha- I had a couple of buddies that uh done that uh, as their career and then uh when 2008 hit and uh took me out of the building industry uh me and my wife and child had to start over so uh i've always been kind of you know somewhat community oriented and uh you know like to you know to help others so i was like hey uh, i got a buddy and uh tyler and uh i'll go be a police officer and. Uh, See what I can do to make a make a difference.
0: Okay, so that was it. You say right around two thousand eight, around the same time. Then I got on with the LAPD uh, in two thousand eight. So that's pretty cool. We're on the same same level here.
2: Oh yeah, yeah, that sounds awesome. Yeah. So from there, uh, as I'm going through the academy, uh. I had this sergeant, uh, he was uh, like a huge squat dude, I mean, he was a beast, or he, he still is, he still works with us, and uh, I noticed that at Christmas time, while I'm going to the academy, they're passing this little uh, uh, piece of paper around that says, hey, you know, uh, it's Christmas time, we're doing bikes for kiddos, and uh, he's got all these names, and you know, you literally sign your name up and you go get a kid, a bike or a tricycle or something like that. And man, there was a spark inside me. Uh, I was like, that was like awesome. I was like, you know, I done it. Uh, and then I started, uh, working around, uh, like some blue Santa kids, uh, you know, where we go each year and take them shopping. And, uh, you know, th- those are some sparks for me that, uh, to give back to my community. Um, so, uh, you know, I've, I've got some stories, you know, follow up here a little bit when, uh, you know, I, I become in a position at the police department once I got established to, uh, to be an active part of the Bicycle for Kids and the Blue Santa for Kids. So, uh, but whenever you're ready for that story, I'll be more than happy to talk about it.
1: Oh, hey Buck, how old were you when you became a police officer?
2: I was 37.
0: Well, you came into the game a little late.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, man. We would go through these runs, and uh, like I said, literally, I lost everything. Uh, <clears throat> you know, I was I was poorer than poor whenever I got on hired on at the uh, academy. Uh, I either knew I was going to die or I was going to complete the run going through the training uh, academy. But we would have folks falling out left and right. And I was like, they can carry me out. My family will get compensation before I fall out of this run. Right on. Uh, I mean, it was – I I couldn't – I mean, I couldn't quit. I had a wife and a child that was uh, dependent on me.
0: Yeah. And I
2: carry that on the street to this day. I'm coming home, period. Yeah. I mean, I don't care how many – you know, walls I have to go through, I'm coming home.
0: Oh, yeah. So, joining the academy at a later age, did you, uh, besides uh, the physical aspects, were there any other issues that gave you problems?
2: No, no. no, I mean, uh, the folks in my academy, uh, they were closer to my kids' age than they were my age. (laughs) Yeah. But uh, they looked out for me uh it, it, to this day they still all look out for me old man on the job, but uh I have a little bit of I guess of a young at heart personality so so a lot of the times I blend in, but every once in a while I get called old man.
0: yeah that's gonna happen. It is gonna happen so um what uh is your job right now in the department?
2: Well, right now I'm uh, on midnights uh, in tower. Uh I've got uh, several that I get to, to look after, you know, several officers. Uh, but we pretty much uh, go out every night from uh, 9p to 7a. And uh, our job is to protect and serve.
0: Right. Are you. Um, uh... A supervisor? Not a supervisor. Um, like a senior lead officer there?
2: I am a sergeant.
0: Oh, okay. There right you go. There. Okay, so at roll call, you're giving roll call, you're giving everyone an assignment, and everyone it, uh, kicking everyone out of the station.
2: Pretty much. That's it.
0: Right on. How do you like being a sergeant? A lot of people think like that's a lot of heavy-duty work there um, to take on.
2: Well, uh, there's a little bit more responsibility, but I love doing it because I like looking out for those folks uh, that I'm supposed to look out for. Uh, I get to enroll them in classes. Um, My job is to be their advocate, to push for them, to be their biggest fan, to do whatever it takes to make them better. Uh, I I really enjoy it because prior to me getting promoted, I wish some of those, uh, some of the sergeants, you know, some of them did, but some of them didn't, uh, would have took that kind of, uh, they looked out for me like that. I get an opportunity to look out for folks and to help them get where they want. You know, I ask them, what do you want? Where do you want to go? What do you need? Uh, and then my job is to go fight for them. Mm-hmm. So I really enjoy it. Uh, it's, don't want to say like being a father, but it kind of is.
0: Oh yeah, you you're the the daddy of the of the watch.
2: So, but I love doing that because uh, you know they take care of me on the ground, but I do my best to take care of them behind the scenes.
0: Okay, you you mentioned uh, training. Tell us a little bit about some of the training that you've had on the department.
2: Ah. Uh, I- done quite a bit of training uh, a lot of it was alert uh uh i took uh, the exterior response active shooters uh the air program uh learned a lot about you know uh one you know uh treating the wounded mm-hmm. so i go i actually uh prior to my my uh position now i was in a community response unit and i actually went out and uh to the businesses. And i taught civilian response to an active shooter. We taught people how to survive people that are not wired like me and you, uh, and, and Jason that have actually seen some of the monsters out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I go out and, uh, I candy coated a lot, but, uh, I teach them how to survive. Um, uh, you know, you know, Fight, flight, to freeze. You know, we talk to them about taking freeze out of your mindset. Uh, you know, uh, we talk about how when you get overwhelmed, you know, and you go to that OODA loop, how your your, your brain shuts down a little bit and, uh, you know, how they freeze. And, and and we talk to them about, you know, just scripting and practicing. And we would talk about pre-programming your, you know, your lizard brain. is. Kind of what you're stuck with when you when you go into that OODA loop, mm-hmm. uh, the five flight, or freeze. Well, there's there's other things that you can put in there, and and you got to think about it beforehand, and you got to put it in there. And there's things that you can take out, you know. Uh, <clears throat> like I said, a uh, you know lizard brain. You know, how many of you have flown on a plane? Uh, you know, there'll be a few hands that come up. You don't do it every day, but. You know, where is your flotation device? And everybody's like, it's under your seat, under your seat, under your seat. Mm -hmm. Well, now that's in your lizard brain. So you can pre-program your lizard brain. Uh, I had some little ladies at United Way. And, uh, I mean, they're they're sweet little old ladies. I went there to teach that class. And uh, I started walking around, and I started noticing wasp spray on every desk. And I finally asked, I said, what's that for? And she goes, like, it's in case somebody comes in. And I'm like, holy Toledo. Uh, mm-hmm. These little ladies have got wasp spray to uh, get somebody, you know, to blind them in their eyes. I'm like, they're starting to deal with some grandbos there.
0: They, they had a plan.
2: They did. And so I tried to justify my existence at that moment amongst a bunch of them to, like, you know, hey, you know, kind of one-up them a little bit. I'm like, well, okay, once you spray them, what are you going to do? And I no longer that, got that, that question out. This little lady pulled out a hammer out of her desk. Whoa. And she said, well, we're going to bust this window and get out of here. And, you know, I'm like, wow, you know, these little ladies are truly Grambo. Uh, they're going to spray somebody if they come in, and then, you know, it's going to put them in that OODA loop. Where they are now reacting versus acting. And the little ladies are going to bust that window and get out of there. Uh, It's a multi-purpose plan. It works in case of a fire. They're trapped inside their building. uh, Because they only had an exit at the front and an exit at the back. Nothing along the sides. So they can bust the windows with that hammer in case of a fire. And get out of there. That's in their lizard brain. Um, So you can pre-program... You know those three core senses, uh, basically your lizard brain, fight, flight, or freeze. You know, such as the uh, the flotation device on the plane, such as when somebody steps in your building and you kind of lose lose it for a minute. Your uh, involuntary reaction is going to be to grab the wasp spray and the hammer. So you can pre-program your lizard brain, uh, and that's what we teach them. Uh, you know that. There is no right or wrong. Just survive. Uh, either go left, go right. Uh, just don't be easy prey.
1: Mm-hmm. Exactly. Now, Chuck, Chuck, you know, I took that class with you and Lewis one, one weekend, and uh, I learned a lot, and I thought I already knew a lot, but y'all even taught me more. Over the years of teaching this class, has your training... Um, adapted to the time
2: well i mean i learned something from each class i go in there and i let them know that hey if you've got something this is a two-way class i need to learn from you guys as y'all learn from me so i've learned a lot and uh we get into each class goes down different rabbit trails uh and you know we evolve. We've, we've done over 300 of these classes throughout the city uh, the city however the more and more I see some of these active shooter events and, and I've got video uh, of some of them um, overseas where folks are literally you know just going to fetal position uh, we are not getting enough active shooter training out there uh, when we, we've got to have folks sharing this knowledge, I mean, you don't have to have cops with you to survive. Uh, You know, you have to have that mindset of that mentality that you're going to buy us time so we can get there. It's like me on the street. I mean, you set up four foot five or four foot, you know, four. uh, And I mean, I got to take some big guys into custody. And I know I'm not going to win the fight. However, it's still game on. Mm -hmm. I'm like, dude, you need to turn around, put your hands behind your back. And, I mean, I'm going to give him everything that I got. I mean, he's probably going to toss me around like a rag doll. But I'm going to be biting, scratching, kicking. I'm going to be talking so much smack, (laughs) talk about his mama, talk about how (laughs) inferior he is. I'm not making a You know, I'm not winning the fight, but I'm buying time. Because you know as well as I do, my brothers are coming. And I'm going to be there when the end count goes down and he goes in the back of that car. I am buying time. And that's what we got to teach our folks out there with these active shooter events. You don't have to beat these monsters. You just got to buy me enough time to get there. Because I'm coming. Okay, I promise you I'm coming. I will drive that patrol car through a wall to get to you. It's not my car.
0: <laughs> exactly. This is a very um, vital conversation we're having now, especially with the, uh, the times the way that they are. What is one of the more difficult parts about dealing with uh, an active shooter uh, and the active shooter training? Because a lot of the people who are listening, you know, they're not exactly familiar with a lot of this stuff.
2: People don't think that what they do matters. Everything matters. It's like, Jason, I can take you out of a room. Let's say me, you, and, and Tyree, we're in a room. And, uh, Jason, I take you out, and, I, and I'm like, here's your Nerf gun. I want you to go back in and shoot as many people as you can. Okay? We go back in, and you, you shoot everybody pretty much, you know, some form or fashion. Because they don't know what to do. However, uh, Tari, we grab you and I, and I give you that same gun. And Jason's giving everybody these little round Nerf balls. Okay, these things, man, you can hit somebody. You know that you play basketball with mm-hmm. in the uh, office uh, setting. Yeah, they each have unlimited amounts. Soon as you go back to step in that room to try and beat Jason's uh, his count. As soon as you step in, they start throwing these little Nerf balls. They're not doing any damage to you. But what do you think you do? You start dodging them? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, you don't know what they are. Your thought process is that you don't want to get hit. So you don't hit as many people. So imagine going into a kindergarten class when all these kids have rocks to throw. Some of these kids got pretty good arms, you know, uh, or you, you go into a church and people start throwing hymnals. Okay. Hymnals hurt if you get hit with the hymnal. So why are we not fighting back with the stuff we have close by? Uh, you know, taking a box or a bucket of rocks into a classroom or taking the hymnals, uh, you know, at the church, uh, I mean, you give me a swing line stapler and a three hole punch, I will beat you down. Oh yeah! Uh, you have to think outside the box.
0: Yeah, you have, uh, you really do.
1: Have since the you know since the last school shooting here in Texas, um, have a lot of uh, schools in the Tyler area reached out to the police department and asked for some type of training. Yeah
2: well i stay late in the mornings i get off at seven and i'll you know uh, they reached out to me a little bit and uh, i still teach some of them um uh, we had a, a a dental uh office get shot up here not too long ago and i, I done a meeting with them and then taught the craze course but yeah i, I typically stay over um for an hour hour and a half in the mornings and i'll go meet with some businesses when i get off if they so need it uh it's nothing that i get paid for because alert doesn't you know we don't charge for any of the knowledge that we share uh i do it because i think it makes our folks gives them a better chance to survive that's uh, my community um but, what? yeah, that's what we do. We just teach them in the mornings.
0: hmm What would you think, or how do you feel about the idea of arming teachers?
2: I'm cool with that. I mean, some of the, I mean, we've got some schools around here where the teachers are armed, and they actually get more firearms training than I do.
0: Wow.
2: And well, I'm cool with that. Uh
1: I mean, we're the school we went to, it isn't the school you and I went to? have armed teachers
2: oh yes union grove uh
1: yeah
0: that is excellent i i I, you know um we we're kevin and i on on previous shows we're always talking about plans and uh what would you do if you're in this situation and it's good to hear that you know people are actually having a plan and you know i really don't mind teachers having guns now I really don't like. Uh, at first, I was against it because I'm like, "What? What do these people know about these kind of firearms?" But if you really think about it, it's for these kids' protection. Um, it's nice to have that gun in the in the immediate area where you can defend people, and it's even better to have training so you know how to use it if something goes wrong with it, uh, or if you really need to use it, you know you can get on target.
2: I mean, some of them have to be vetted because firearms are not for everybody. Mm -hmm. If you don't know that you can shoot uh, the bad guy when he comes in, maybe you don't need to carry a gun because he will literally take it from you and kill your class and yourself with the very gun that you carried. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you have to know beforehand that you can pull that trigger. Now, uh, you know, living with it's a lot harder than doing it but I know without a doubt when it comes right down to it, and it means me not going home or somebody that I'm looking out for not going home, I'm going to pull that trigger a hundred out of a hundred times. Mm-hmm. Uh, now living with it, I mean, that's a whole different ball game. Uh, if you have to do something really, really bad to protect others, uh, you know, there, there may be some, some uh, secondary costs with that. Cause uh, you, You know, you may feel guilty, but you got to do what you got to do. That's right. You know,
1: nobody. Go, what were you going to say, Chuck?
2: I was like, nobody wants to kill anybody else.
0: Yeah, we'd we'd we never as police officers. That's not the that's not the goal. That's not the the thing of the day. It's always to make it home. Join to be a police officer, right? Exactly. No, you don't join for that. Um, Yeah, I mean, there were some people.
2: I want to save as many as I can. I want to impact as many as I can. I want to help. Uh, You know, I want to make sure kids got Christmas. I want to make sure homeless people got food. Uh, I want to make the world a better place. Uh, You know, plain and simple. And this is the perfect avenue to do that, to make the world a better place.
1: Now, I can see... I could see that. I mean, me and Chuck—he allowed me to go on a ride along after I had to prove I was an innocent man because mm-hmm. some dude where I in in Dallas has my same name and same birthday, yeah, and had like so many warrants out.
0: I had the same thing. Somebody- and I was
1: trying to do a I was trying to do a ride along with Chuck, mm-hmm. and I thought he was going to arrest me when I came through the door. <laughs> But I can, I can tell you this, uh, riding with Chuck and, uh, just being with him for those nine hours, 10 hours, whatever it was and seeing the community come to like him interacting with the community and walking in his shadows and, uh, just being there. I mean, Pete, we didn't eat no donuts, man. People were coming up, giving us chocolate chip cookies and, he he just had a connection with his community. Like as soon as he walked into Golden Corral, people knew who he was, shaking his hand. And I was like, "Dang, look at this!" So he he does a lot. And you, I saw that Chuck when I was with you, and uh, I'm I'm gonna let you know, man. I'm I'm super proud of of who you are and what you're doing in in that community.
2: I appreciate that, man. It's just. Uh... I do my best to make it my little Mayberry. Uh, you know, for anybody that walks Andy Andy Griffith, you know, everybody knew Andy. Andy knew everybody.
1: No, we're not that old.
2: <laughs> you know, uh, why would you not want to do that? You know, I, I don't understand. You know, I want to be one with my community.
1: Tell me about, uh, I saw something on social media, and I know you do something with an an. Police Officer Association or something?
2: Yeah, we're part of, a, uh, or I'm part of several associations, uh, you know, they give back to the community. We do, uh, I'm part of, like, the East Texas Police Officers Association. Um, I'm actually a, a past president now, uh, the Fraternal Order of Police. Uh, uh, I've been on the board for many years on that, and uh, I do a lot of peer support. Uh, I do a lot of training on peer support, uh, keeping our guys, uh, you know, from uh, harming themselves. Uh, what's really, really crazy is uh, we had a sheriff out of New York, and he come in and did a presentation. And he, he goes through this little spiel. He goes, the average life expectancy of a female in the, in the United States is around uh, like 83, something like that. Uh, average life expectancy of a male is like seventy eight uh, the average life expectancy of an officer that's got to run and jump and uh there's hundreds and thousands of push-ups and setups uh and it actually protects you know roughly uh, 75, seventy five eighty percent of the population um is fifty seven so you know why are our guys and gals dying 20, 25 years sooner than the rest of the population. So, uh, that's why I do a lot of peer support.
0: That's very important. Um, as a, we, even when I was an officer, one of the things we always feared was as soon as you retire, you got five years left, five years left. And that's what they always say. Five years left until you die because of 20 plus years of stress on your body and now you have to let that stuff go you know and go into retired life it's not easy and it's very important to have a uh, that peer communication that you have
2: oh yeah i mean i guess on the average you know we see what you know two or three times a month what most people see in their entire life uh you know
0: yeah they, a lot of people don't realize that. They don't think about that when they join the department. It's, uh, you know, and I said this before, It's everyone thinks it's always foot pursuits and cool stuff, but no, it's, you're going to see some ugly stuff too. Probably, and I believe the ugliest things I've seen from humans, I've seen it as a police officer.
2: Oh, yeah, I mean, uh And, and you have to change your emotions. You know, you're you're on a car wreck. Uh, you know, somebody's you know begging you to save them, and and you're there when they have their last words. Mm. And uh, you know, you finish that call up, and uh, you're, you know your shift's not over. But then you got to go to the next call, and you know it's it's somebody that's not a good parent. And they're wanting you to parent their child, and, and you are probably a little bit out of line. And uh, you know they call and complain on you. But I mean, look at what you just dealt with, and then you got to go to this next call and, and tell a, an adult how to be an adult. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, you it's hard to keep yourself in check.
0: Oh man. So, I can only imagine the kind of things like uh me personally, I've, I've been through that kind of thing. Like, Hey, you just been through or seen an accident, clean that up. And I'm still a little wound up, but and it's hard to let that go because now exactly like you said, I'm going to go and tell this parent how to parent their child or I'm Dr. Phil on wheels trying to take care of uh, these people arguing or something like that. When I just saw this really horrific accident and I'm talking to these people, and they don't understand, like, how precious life is. And uh, they're arguing over bullshit. Like, I wish I can take these people, like, and show them the crap that we go through before we get to their house and deal with the bullshit.
2: Well, it's, it's unfortunately, it's the same old, same old ones. Mm. Uh, you know, what is it, 10% of the people take up 90% of your time? Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, it's that same one, you know, we'll go to a horrific call and, you know, we do what we got to do. And then all of a sudden it's, you know, this person again, at this address again, calling for the third time tonight mm. and you got to go over there and babysit them and, you know, tell them, you know, uh, y'all, you know, if, if it's a spousal, you know, you need to leave him or, you know, here's you got uh, a women's home. And, you know, I, I you know, I wish I could pronounce you guys divorced, but y- y'all are going to wind up killing each other. And, you know, it's it's hard to stay nice and professional when you're dealing with people that are not oh, reasonable, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, they do not, you know, we work for them, uh, you know, uh, I you know, they pay our salaries. So it's our job to come out there and teach them how to get along.
0: Yeah. And it's, a, it's annoying to me when they're like, yeah, well, you, what are you doing here? Why are you here? I'm, it's always like uh, your actions caused me to be here. It's not because I want to be in this house with you guys, stepping over the yeah, glass, it's, you know. It, it's not because I want to be here. It's because you caused me to be here, so now I'm here and I'm going to deal with it, you know.
2: Yeah, if you don't call, we don't
0: come. Yeah. And I'm yeah, not. <laughs> we're not saying you know don't call because you know we don't care. But you know call if you have an emergency. But don't call. Um. Oh, you know call for an, for an emergency. And I'll leave it at that.
2: Oh yeah. I mean, anytime and and one huge, huge, huge thing. And I tell people all the time. Okay, twenty four seven inclement weather, holidays, no matter what. If you need 911, or you even think you need 911, you call it. It's not like I have to roll out of bed, put that little blue uniform on, and then come to you. I am already on the street, and I do not mind responding to you to help you not be scared, to prevent something bad from happening to you, even to courtesy walk you out of your store to your vehicle because you think something's wrong, I will be there for that in a heartbeat. We will all be there. Uh, You know, please call 911. We would rather, you know, what's the old saying? An ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. If you think something's wrong, do not hesitate to call us. You're not a burden. Uh, I mean, we have to come. Uh, We want to come in a situation like that. Uh, But so many people... And, and and we clean. We come in and we literally process the scene. And they were so afraid to call nine one one. And we don't want them to be afraid to call nine one one. We're not going to put a charge on you for abuse. Uh, believe me, if, if there was, there would be, you know, one or two individuals in your community that would stay in jail.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: But uh, don't hesitate at all to call. Uh, You
1: know, that way you're not, you don't become a victim. That's Let me ask ask you something, Chuck. Uh, It's not a, and I'll ask both you and Tyree this, and uh, you don't have to answer if you don't want to. And don't be specific, but just tell me in general, uh, what's your, what are y'all's opinions on, you're in a situation somebody gives you a direct order not to do something but somebody's life's on the line you know what do, what do y'all think about that in general
0: I'll go first I think that if you raise your hand to, take, uh, to wear that badge um, sometimes you're going to be told to do some crap that makes no sense because something really crazy is going on and you gotta get into it hey man I will easily Give up this job if it means saving these people. When my supervisors don't want me to go in, or you know, we 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 have the means to do something, and you're holding us back. So that's uh,
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm one of those. Uh, I mean, it's all case by case. Uh, I love my job, uh, but this is my third or fourth career in my life, and I'm, I'm hoping that there's not a fifth or sixth career. Um, uh, but if it comes, so be it. You know, I, I'm still me. I have to, I have to live with me. Mm. So I have to make sure that, uh, you know, I can go to sleep at night and I have not, I mean, when I go back to the field house, I've left it all on the field. Uh, you know, I, you know, uh,
1: let me, uh, and I don't mean to get off the police, uh, subject but your dad was a marine, correct?
2: That is correct.
1: Tell me a little bit about growing up with uh a marine father.
2: I will give you something to cry about. Quit that crying. Oh my gosh. Uh yeah dad was uh dad was hardcore. Uh it's amazing how soft he got with my uh uh, my nephews and my kid, uh, I'm like, Dad, you are not the same man we grew up with.
1: So, <laughs> He's one of my favorite uncles.
2: Uh, uh, one of my cousins uh, up in Tennessee, his dad was in the, in the Navy. And uh, I still remember my dad got back from Vietnam, and uh, this is before me. Uh, but we just recently had his funeral, and I really wanted Mark to tell that story. But uh, my cousin Mark's a little bit older than me, and uh, his daddy uh, was in the Navy, and he had a sailor hat, and he came over to stay at my mom and my dad's, and uh, it come time for the, you know, to eat dinner, and he came to the dinner table with that hat on. My dad's like, take your hat off, son. I don't have to. You're not my dad. Well... He never told my daddy that ever again, and to this day, it's still a really good story. Uh, but he didn't wear that hat at, at, at the dinner table.
1: Was that your mom's uh, nephew, your dad's nephew, Mark?
2: Uh, my mom's nephew.
1: Okay. I knew there was a, a Mark in our family, but I knew it had passed on a long time ago.
2: No, uh, this is uh, on mom's side. It's uh, uh, my cousin, Mark. Okay. we still get a laugh out of that to this day. And he knows better than to wear a hat at the dinner table still.
1: Yeah. So you, you did a video of your father, you know, over the last few months before he passed away. And, um, he talked about some of the stories about being, uh, I believe he was at hamburger Hill from one of the videos that I watched. And, uh, just you did you grow a little closer to him or get a better understanding of him listening to his uh war stories
2: i I was always curious uh he was very 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 reserved uh I was lucky to get that video uh, i'm I'm grateful for it uh but he 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 got off of there really really quick, and we never could catch another one. But uh, I, don't, I don't think I could have got any closer because I was already pretty tight with him. You know, we are, we're a tight family, uh, you know. Uh, but I, I enjoyed him sharing, and uh, I'm grateful that I have that video. Uh, you know, I shared it on Facebook. You saw it and, uh, so that I don't forget some of the details
1: uh, about what he went through. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I knew he was a Marine, you know, because when I got out and I went to the first family reunion, uh, you know, at that hotel, despite where it used to be, and he gave me a hug. So, you know, I knew he was a Marine, but I didn't really know anything about um, what he did until you posted the video. And then I was able to, uh, you know, Google some of the things on the video. And find a little bit more information about it. So I'm glad you posted that. It kind of, you know, brought me a little bit closer to your father. Um, even though y'all are older than me, and I was the I was the one y'all picked on as a kid.
2: Wow. You know, you
1: know they 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 have therapy, don't they? You know that, right? Yeah, I, you know I don't see no therapy.
2: <laughs> I, mean, I, I would ha- i would hate for it to stunt your growth or something like that
1: <laughs> yeah yeah it, it hit me about 21 when i stopped growing <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh. all right so we uh we got into a lot of things i know we're gonna we're a little short on time here uh i do want to ask uh you said you what what do you do um after work for decompression to For yourself, for time off To, to relax
2: Well, uh, I do have some Outside activities that are police related Like I said, you know um, But right now we are building On the lake And uh, I'm getting to uh, Do some of my building skills Okay um, However, we, for the first time ever I thought I'd never live on the lake We bought a lake lot on Lake Cherokee uh, we cleaned it up, we dredged it out and, uh, uh, literally, we literally built a boat dock. And for the first time in my life, I bought a boat. Uh, oh. it's just a little barge or a pontoon boat. And I've never been much on fishing or, uh, boating, but me and my little wife, we love being on the water now. And, uh. Yesterday we just celebrated
0: our thirty-first anniversary. Man, wow! Congratulations, yeah, hey, that that, that deserves man. a round of applause. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She put up with me
2: this long.
1: <laughs> she still don't know my name. She thought I was a waiter at our family reunion. <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh, well, you know they, they I'm still I'm still sticking with the therapy man.
1: <laughs> hey, uh, um, are y'all? Because I know you just. You bought an old house in downtown area or in the older area. Are you going to sell that house and move out there to the lake?
2: Well, we done sold it. We done sold it. Uh, I thought that was my forever home. And uh, my gun safes were upstairs. And I was ready to be literally hauled out of that house. And and, uh, once again, she found somewhere else for us to move to. So uh, I literally had to bring my gun safes, which I thought I'd never have to do, uh, downstairs. And uh, I probably won't put them upstairs again (laughs) because I I don't know what mood she'll be in (laughs) next week.
0: Yeah. Well, hey, uh, I think that it's really cool that you guys are uh, experiencing different things. How do you feel about being a boat owner? Because I always hear, like, the the best... Two days about having the boat is the day you get it and the day you get rid of it.
2: Well, I've had to do some work. I'm not mechanically inclined at all. So I've had to figure it out. But uh, so far, it's been really, uh, most of it's been fairly simple. Uh, I don't have a lot invested in my boat. So if I just need to, uh,
0: you know, kind of just
2: set it adrift, I can. Uh, and I'll just go get me a different boat and put in my stall. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I should be able to, you know, it should not be a problem to uh, get my money back. So I'm going to say uh, I am uh, disagree with that statement on our boat.
0: Right on. So
2: we've been very, very lucky. We've had a lot of good times. And uh, the money that I paid for it, I've already got those memories out of it. Uh, with my wife my my kid and uh so yeah uh it can sink now but uh <laughs> I should get a couple more years out of it.
0: Yeah. Why not? I always thought about uh you know if I was around a place where you know I can have a boat, I would think about having one, but I think about it a little bit more and I'm like that's probably a bad idea. I'm gonna crash it and, and blow it up into something. Tyree. Yeah. What
1: I can tell you about Lake Cherokee and growing up where me and Chuck grew up, you love camping. You oh, yeah. love being outdoors. This is East Texas, pine trees, as you know, as tall as can be. And Lake Cherokee is a nice lake, so it's not a huge lake compared to some of them around there, but it's a great lake. You You would love the East Texas atmosphere. Just because you like being outdoors and you like the camping.
0: Oh, okay.
1: And there's tons to do out there like that. I mean, Chuck can tell you as kids, when we had our family reunion on Lake Pines, there's probably, it felt like a hundred of us, as many cousins and uncles that we had out there. You know, just camping, throwing horseshoes, grilling, volleyball, wave runners all kind of stuff out there. So it was always nice growing up out there on the lake. And now that Chuck has the lake house, I'll let everybody know family unions on Lake Lake Cherokee.
2: Oh yeah. Yeah. That sounds fun.
1: Yeah. Uh, I
2: mean, he's right. There's, there's no place like here. Uh, I've literally got a squirrel right next to me while I'm talking to you guys on the phone. <laughs> okay. <So>, uh, <laughs>
1: Was that like Caddyshack noise? What was Um, that? (laughs) uh,
2: There's no place like East Texas. Uh, I'm glad I get to work and live
0: here. Oh, man, that's awesome. Uh, You you said a lot of really awesome and excellent things. Uh, One of the things that I'm going to hold on to the most is you know, uh, you got to tell those stories and uh, you got to share that information. You know, it's very fortunate you found that recording of your father, but there are a lot of people who uh, have no idea about what their parent did because the parent doesn't talk about it. The parent never talks about it because it's, you know, a sensitive subject. I think you should always tell those kids about that because they need to know what you did. You need to be proud of the achievements that you have, and we should celebrate it.
1: Uh, absolutely.
2: Okay. Um, uh, I, I guess before I let you guys go, uh, you know, for anybody listening out there, check out your local PD's uh, Blue Santa program. Uh, I mean, it's pretty much nationwide right now. Um, uh, I guess about 10 years ago, uh, I hopped on the you know, the one of the boards of the FOP and I got to run with a, a Blue Santa program and uh. I'd done it before, but I'd never been in charge. But uh, we would take, you know, 20 kids each year shopping for Christmas presents. And it's it's literally, well, the way ours would work is each child got $100, and they get to shop with an officer. And, uh, you know, you go around, you know, one of the local Walmarts, and you spend that $100. So uh, there's probably something in your area uh, where your PDs do that. But, uh, we started out, you know, at the, at that number. And, uh, I, I guess I've been on the board since then. Uh, last year we took 305 kids shopping. Oh man. For Christmas. So, uh, you I mean you want to talk about a tough story when, uh, you know, you're, you got a hundred dollars and, uh, you got this little one assigned to you and, uh, you're like, hey, you know, you know, little buddy, let's go, uh, let's go get some, some Christmas presents. And he takes you to the pillow aisle and he grabs a pillow. Mm. I'm like, dude, we're supposed to go to the toys. Don't you want any toys? He's like, I don't got a pillow, man.
0: Priorities.
2: Yeah. And I'm like, okay, okay. I'm breaking my wallet out. I'm breaking my wallet out. You know, uh, are, uh, you know, they'll go to the, the, the food aisle and grab food. And you're like, dude, I, I okay, I got, I got this. You, okay, let's go to the toys. And I mean, you, before you leave there, you, you know, everybody thinks the kids are getting so much. You actually get a lot. You, you learn what the priorities are. You learn what it is to have so much and to be blessed. So, uh, You know, uh, the local agency that you have will probably let you help if you want to. Mm -hmm. We have a lot of civilians that come in because as the kids are going around trying to spend their $100, uh, the officer's typically uh, helping them grab and put back, grab and put back. But we got to have somebody in the background. That's when the civilians come in to play, and uh, they're literally on their cell phones tabulating what they get, what they don't get, what they put back, what they get, and so that we can come back, you know, roughly with $100 at the register. Uh, But we have people that will break out hundreds of dollars for each child in addition to what they got. Just when they get to the register, you know, before you know it, somebody's rung up $300 worth of stuff. Mm. Uh, But we get together as a community every year. And do that, and uh, we invite anybody, everybody. We have firemen, we have EMTs, uh, lots of civilians. Uh, you know, just coming in, and uh, it's it's like our Hallmark moment.
0: Man, that's do
2: right. You watch Hallmark?
1: You know, every once in a while during the holidays, but that makes me want to go see a therapist. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Chuck, you you call me. When you're ready for the blue Santa, and I'm going to donate some money y'all's way.
2: That sounds good. That sounds good.
1: Yeah, I got a little extra winnings from the casino I'll donate.
2: (laughs) Well, why why don't you come help me shop with them?
1: There you go. Oh, man, I'd be wanting to buy GI Joes for myself.
2: That's okay, man. That's okay. I know you always like Barbie dolls.
1: Yeah, I did. (laughs) I love them. I'm going to go watch this Ken movie when it comes out. Oh, that's even better. (laughs)
0: Oh man. <laughs> All right. So hey, Chuck, thanks for coming on the show. Uh it was a lot of fun. It was really informative. Uh King, I'm sorry, Jason, thanks for uh hooking this one up.
1: Yeah, man, I appreciate it. Chuck, thanks for uh coming on, man. It's always good to hear your voice. And oh, yeah. uh whatever yeah, little man. squeaky animal you got next to you. <laughs> <laughs> He's probably that squirrel's probably taller than you.
2: It, it, it could be, but you know what? I got a taser and that squirrel don't.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead and hit him. At with least you'll
2: be
1: eating
0: good.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm Lake Cherokee,
1: baby. <laughs> yes, sir.
0: All right. Hey, King you got, uh, Jason, you got anything? No, anything I'm else? I'm
1: good. I'm good. Just like, just like what the show's called, and, you know, it's all about those memories what Tyree talks about speaking before the video of my uncle and Chuck's father uh, telling your story before you forget
0: it yeah and on that note thanks everyone for checking in with Before I Forget Uh, we had a lot of fun today when you hear this please like listen share subscribe share it and let everyone hear it right and that's all I got have a good one